I think there's some questions at the bottom. Yeah, Kyle shot me some questions. Okay. I didn't even read them. I just shot them to you, honestly. So, so you mean ask you them? Yeah, we're going to go just totally. All right, I'm going to ask you some questions. Go ahead. Do you currently use subcontractors or employees? I use employees. Why? Uh, as I mentioned in the podcast, after learning about the contractor versus employee laws, like the, here, let me adjust the microphone since I'm changing my position here. So learning about the contractor versus employee laws really scared the crap out of me. And when you look at it, they can like back tax you for contractors that you treated like employees. So the idea is if you treat people like employees, then you're responsible for a portion of their tax. Like if you supply some of your employees with insurance, you have to supply them with insurance uh, there has to be like all these things and you can be hit with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fines and payback that if you get caught. So the employee in the state of Georgia, if I understand it correctly, there's a couple of things that distinguish the difference. Number one, a contractor uh, is basically a person that you hire from outside your company to come in and work. You cannot be their primary source of income. You can't tell them like when to do the job or how to do the job. So if you do that, then they're considered an employee. And that goes down to small things like wearing the company shirt. They, they don't have to wear your shirt. Like I think you can ask them to do it, but if they don't want to, they don't have to. Uh, if they don't want to show up in the window that you set with the customer, they don't have to. Oh. Uh, if if they want to do the job differently than what you want them to do, then they can do it that way. So you lose control as a business owner, and uh, and it's hard. And and I used to have like company meetings where I would request our contractors to come in and and meet, and I had a hard time getting everybody bought in to even coming into the meeting because for them. They're just using me to get a paycheck for each job that they do. They don't get paid to come to the meeting. Yeah. And I can't make it mandatory because they're not my employees. So after that meeting, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go switch everybody to employees. I think it's better for the employees. It's better for me. It's less liability. And, you know, there's definitely challenges because we took on a huge expense. When we, when we first originally started, I wanted to do health insurance, but we couldn't do the health insurance and bring everybody on as employees at the same time because the added amount of payroll taxes that we had to pay, it it really threw the numbers off. So we had to find some stability after that. And then after we did that, we added health insurance. And so now you know we're just constantly looking at different types of benefits, but the expenses and overhead for having you know nine employees for your garage door company is pretty significant uh, rather than just doing a, uh, a contractor. I mean, I pay for the truck. I pay for the tools. I pay for the fuel. Those are all huge expenses. I mean, I pay $2,500 a month in fuel, and that would be their expense. Yeah. You know, I pay uh, God only knows how much in truck payments, and, you know, that would be all on them, and, yeah. and it's all on me now. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot. Um, 
forgot what I was going to say. Uh, but yeah, you actually, well, now you you have the benefit of being able to maintain consistency, um, which that's what builds like a consistent client base and all that. And you're creating, I mean, like consistent quality of work also maintains like a consistent brand identity and everything too. And that's important right. versus just being some Joe Schmo garage door company that does door installs and you don't know what you're going to get when you get from one installer to the other because they're... I mean, here's the thing though. I mean, there's no way we would have probably been able to grow as fast as we did if we started out with employees. Mm. So I think think that if you're going to start your own company, I mean, I'm not an attorney, right? So I can't give legal advice, but... I'm just going to say as a startup, you got to do what you got to do, Yeah, you know, and sometimes that comes with some risk. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I mean, I don't think the, the big guys, the, 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 the government agencies are going after companies that are making a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You know, once you hit that million mark, I think you get under a microscope a little bit. Yeah. And then obviously as you go up, it's even more, yeah. but I mean, there's, I was told there's over 600 garage door companies in the metro Atlanta area. Wow, that's crazy. And when you have that much competition, uh, I just, I think you do what you have to if you're getting yep. started. And, you know, you try to be as ethical and, and responsible as possible. And uh, and then hopefully you build, you know, my thing was I wanted to build a brand, not just with my customers, but with, with other companies' employees. I know that sounds bad, but... If I create a yeah. great place to work, I mean, people are going to want to come work here. Yeah. And I mean, I just posted an ad for an installer. I got people all over the country that applied yeah. for it, but I got like three or four of my local competitors mm-hmm. who also had people that worked for them apply mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. And so people want to work here, and it's because of the way we treat them and the employee yeah. mentality that we have. Yeah. I like working here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're just saying that because you're being recorded. No, I swear. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> okay. So another question that he had was, do you pay your technician's commission? Yeah, so I do. Um, all my guys are paid slightly different, and I'm okay with saying that. I don't I don't think <clears> – <throat> I think you find what motivates each employee, yeah. and then you pay them based on that. And some guys are really comfortable getting paid hourly, and some guys are really comfortable getting paid on salary or commission. And I've got one of my technicians, like, we can bring him in here one day. Uh, he's awesome. He's probably one of my best techs, but he wants to get paid salary. And I'm like, well, what, what advantage would the company have if we switched you from commission to salary? And uh, he hasn't given me, like, a really good answer yet. <laughs> but the, the, the motivation for someone on commission to do a good, thorough job and to find all the problems and present them is significantly higher than that of an hourly employee who's going through the motions. I've never been hourly, so I don't know what that's like. I'm not motivated that way. I've always been commissioned. Like, my first job was selling insurance. Well, I mean, I've sold shoes, clothes when I was a kid. I had one job, I think, where I worked hourly, where I stuffed catheters in a Ziploc bag and filled boxes with thousands of them. (laughs) <laughs> but that was when I was 15 trying to save money for a car. Yeah. But when you get into like your ages, like I sold cars, I did finance, I was a manager, I uh, got out of that, got into sales, like B2B sales, uh, 
and then from there, I've started a garage door company. I've been full commission my whole yeah. life. So I, I know that it's all in the hiring and the training and the expectations and the accountability. Yeah. And so if you do it right, I think that hourly people will take advantage and mooch a little bit. Um, I don't think those are the people that are going to work fast. Yeah. I think those are the people that are just going through the motions. I could be wrong, but some people are like that. I'm talking about garage. I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm like, like, wait, wait I'm, hourly. I'm hourly. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, I mean, coming from retail where you get paid hourly, majority of the employees there have no incentive to do the job the way it was intended because um, they know they're getting paid either way. And right. even if they don't do the greatest job, like, sure, they might get a scolding from a manager or something, but they know they're keeping their job and they're still being paid hourly and, like, they can just rely on that. And then while they're there for six to eight hours, they can do whatever they want, more or less. I mean, yeah. they still have to do their job, but not to the fullest extent necessarily. Right. And they'll still get paid. And so, yeah, it's like there's not a lot of motivation there to do the best job possible when you know you're getting that money anyways. I mean, you just – I think there's – you can't really box it in though either, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. just some people who are wired different, different, and <laughs> oh, they yeah. like stable and you know consistent. Yep. And so hourly works for them. Mm-hmm. And so if you work here hourly, I pretty much guarantee you forty hours. Mm-hmm. If you're a technician, mm-hmm. if you work here commission, I mean, you're gonna have your down times where it's a little bit slow, but then you're gonna have times where you come to my office and be like, "Can we back off a mm-hmm. little bit?" And so you're gonna have different times, but you know you got to stash away for the times like when you're doing really well. And then when it slows down, you may have to pull out a savings a little bit just to make it. And that's just kind of part of it. I think, you know, it depends on your lifestyle and how much you spend, but that's, uh, so knowing a few people that have YouTube channels as full-time incomes, um, what one of them, uh, I mean, yeah, 100%. more or less, because it's it's based off the amount of ad deals you can 100% get. 100% commission. Yeah, so you got to put the effort in first, then yeah. you get paid. Yeah, and um, what one of them told me that he didn't really expect was how much money he would make. He did not expect it to be as much as it was, um, but what he didn't expect was the lack of consistency. So there would be times, especially around the holidays, when companies want to spend a lot more money on advertising and promoting things. Um, and then there's other times like kind of in the middle of the summer or whatever, when nothing's really going on and there's not a lot of jobs coming in, or I mean, there's not a lot of like companies coming in to, or right. to run ads on their right. videos. And that's when like, that's why you got to make sure that they have a, their money stashed away. Um, so it's all that about budgeting. Off that. Yep. And that's something like I've actually held meetings with staff members, not here, but in previous jobs where I taught budgeting. Yeah. For that very reason. Yeah. Like if you had a budget you, for me. Yeah, I did a budget for you. I haven't followed it yet. I, I do. It's a, a good one. I will do, like, I encourage my employees to, to manage their money well because yeah. here's the thing. If they mismanage their money, then it puts pressure on them to need to make more. Yep. Which causes a distraction yep. within within them where they want to go do, like, Hannah wants to work three or four jobs. Mm-hmm. She's a hustler, right? But mm-hmm. the, but I broke it down to her and showed her, well, if you did this consistently yep. and you did it well and you got raises, yep. you'd be 10 times more successful in five years than you would if you did four or five different things hustling. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so it, when I was in the car business, I used to help people with budgets because I knew the down months. 
And so I tried to prepare people, you know, hey, here's what you do. This is how you manage your money. This is stash this amount away. If you have a good month, put this away, figure out how much your costs are, pay off debt, do whatever. And and it just makes it a lot easier if they follow the plan, then it doesn't put stress on that work employee uh, relationship. You're not yeah. begging for a raise because your financial situation is yeah. in a bad position. Yeah. You may actually outspend your your ability to make that much mm-hmm. money, and you have to be really careful. Yeah. And it's hard. If you have three or four really good months where you're just killing it, mm-hmm. To, to not go out and spend stupid money yeah. is really difficult. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember I took a contract in Miami, and I was down there for, like, I don't know, six months. And it was probably my second month. I was on a, a guarantee of $15,000 a month mm-hmm. plus bonuses. I was bringing in about eighteen twenty thousand $20,000 a month on this contract. Plus, they put me in a condo on Collins Avenue. That's an A1A. Right across the street from the beach. Gave me a book. Let me pick out my furniture. Like, Wow. <laughs> Living it up. That sounds like a good job. Well, my second month, I uh, I stroll into um, some high-end department store, mm-hmm. and it was like the God of heaven just shined down on this suit. Now, you guys know me. I don't even wear a suit. Yeah. I don't even like them. But this suit was like bad to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> and so I go over there, and I'm the guy standing there, and I couldn't even get him to help me because I was wearing like shorts, T-shirt, tennis shoes, and had my, my motorcycle helmet with yeah. me. And I was like, How, you know, can I try this on? And he's like, yeah. And uh, he's like, but, um, he's like, that's an expensive suit. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Let me just try it on. And so I didn't even look at the price. I just went and tried it on. It fit me perfectly. I walked out, <laughs> and he's like, all right, let me see. He's like, we don't even have to take this up. He's like, it's perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, this is meant to be. Like, yeah. I saw this suit from across the store. <laughs> like, no joke. And, I would love to see yeah. this. And suit. at this point, I had, I've, I still got it. Yeah, I, know I, I sure hope I was do, so yeah. committed. All right, like, I'd already gushed over it to the yeah. point where I was like, I'm almost have to buy yeah. this thing now. And the guy told me, well, it's $1,600. Yeah. And I was like, that's actually a lot cheaper than I expected. You I, to see. I literally took a big gulp and I was like, let's do it. Yeah. And so I, I bought it. I mean, but when you're making that kind of money, yeah. you're like, so what? Yeah. So. I still got the suit. I don't fit in it. Um, we should do. We should do a um, a picture of you in it. Yeah, that's how I we're gonna promote one. the podcast. We gotta take one of you in it. But I can't even wear it. That's the funny part. Listen, yeah. no, no, not be cool. <laughs> so listen, when I bought that suit, I think I was two oh five. I'm mm-hmm. about two forty five, two fifty wow. now. It'll yeah, we gotta fit. go mountain biking. Just be a little no, tighter. It will not fit. So I already that. tried. Yeah. I tried like a year ago. He's like, I was like, how much weight do I need work. to lose just to get <laughs> in this thing? And I was like, I gave up. My friend lost thirty pounds after he started mountain biking. Well, the problem is my shoulders are much broader now. Mm. Like my upper body is just bigger, and so I don't. I don't. How old are you then? Twenty five. I mean, I can't see you getting like active. How are your shoulders gonna get? Do you go to the gym and like work out those shoulders? I don't. Know. I got broad shoulders, dude. Okay. I don't know, but I don't think I was a lot narrower back then. It's from know. basketball. It's from all the hoops. I don't. Yeah, think. I was gonna say. I don't know how you can develop like back muscles without like working out your back. You can't trust me. Yeah, I think we're getting off topic. Anyway, <laughs> there was another question, right? There There's was one more question. One more question. Okay, so the business model of upselling better parts. High cycle springs, rollers, cables, etc., and offering a lifetime warranty. How do you feel about that? I don't like offering lifetime anything. Honestly, things do break. I think, yeah, and and I mean, it, when I have a conversation with customers, because they 
there's companies around here that offer lifetime warranties, and I'm fine with that. I just tell customers, look, I mean, have you ever bought anything that lasted you a lifetime? No. A garage door is not built to last forever. And so I could offer you a lifetime warranty banking on the fact that you're probably going to move before it breaks. Uh, or I'm going to be out of business if you stay, if too many people stay. And uh, I think there's either a lot of fine print in those type of agreements or you're banking on the fact that people are going to move. I don't uh, – so – I'm going to answer this two ways. One is I don't really like the idea of lifetime warranty. I think it's a, a scammy way to sell um, just because you're promising something you really couldn't back up if you had massive failure across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just got a memo from a manufacturer who said that they were having a default on something. If that were to happen and you were to, inst- let's say it's cables or springs or whatever, and you were to have a massive issue with cables or springs on a couple hundred doors that you install within a year. And all of a sudden, those things start going crazy. I mean, think about the liability yeah. and the amount of people. That's a lot that, of commitment. That, yeah, too. you're going to have to go out there. And, and we bank on the fact that that's not going to happen, but it very well could. And so I'm not a fan of lifetime warranty. Um, now, if it's, I think that you should back that stuff up, and we do. And so maybe that was a bad analogy because I was saying within a year, I think you should back that up. But if it's, you know, seven, eight years, ten years down the road yeah, and, no, and things are starting to go bad, I mean, garage doors, DASMA sets a standard that they, sh- you know, the part should be built for a minimum of 10,000 cycles. Mm-hmm. Well, what's 10,000 cycles? I mean, for me, that's probably six or seven years because yeah. we come in and out of the garage door eight, ten times yeah. a day. Yeah. But for some homeowners, I mean, it, they're opening it once or twice a day. That's 12, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So you really, I, I don't think it's a good idea to set a standard for lifetime warranty. I mean, I get why people do it. It sounds good. It's enticing. Yeah. It is. It does sound good. And and I do feel like it's a little bit scammy, but people like it. I mean, homeowners like the satisfaction of hearing it. I think I think they discount the fact that it, it could never hold up if they had massive problems across the board. But yeah, because what if a garage door company like I know this won't happen here, but like if a garage door company offered a lifetime warranty or whatever for a garage door, what happens if they can't follow through with that? Then what is there some There's, kind of legal? The warranty is only as good as the company. Oh, I mean, okay. we had a company here just around the corner who ran lifetime warranties on stuff all the time. And they're they no longer around. A lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're no, they're, they they close their doors, and I mean, we get phone calls from people all the time, pissed off. So as a customer, I think customers should be more aware of that promise. It's kind of an empty promise. Yeah. I mean, in a way. I mean, think about it, especially like with as many new companies around here that are offering like lifetime warranties. I mean, let's just be honest. I think statistics show that most startups like. 75% of them aren't going to make it. Yeah. Within four or five years, they're they're toast. Yeah. So even if you get a guarantee from somebody, I mean, if you're within the first five years, I mean, it's very likely that company's yeah. not going to be around. Yeah. I mean, we're going, we're, we're in our fourth year. We'll hit five years next August. And, you know, I can honestly tell you, uh, I mean, there were one or two times where I didn't know we'd make it. Mm-hmm. And what would that have done? for all the doors and stuff that we put in. I mean, yeah. that would have sucked. And and I probably, honestly, just knowing me, 
I probably would have kept the phone number and just went out and serviced those doors myself under yeah. warranty. Oh, that's nice. Just because I don't think I could sleep at night if I didn't. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that I've always got fallback. So, for me, it wasn't easy, but at the same time, I'm like, if this thing failed, I could go back to software. I mean, I could do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. But there was no turnaround. I mean, we, we cashed in our retirement, everything, mm-hmm. and then I got all these employees. And like, I feel hugely responsible mm-hmm. for them being able to take care of their families and stuff. And so uh, there was no – I was all in, all in. And, and the other part of that is how do I feel about upselling? So I, I'm a huge fan of upselling. Um, there's a thin line between, like, being greedy – I think, um, you know, consumers are getting more and more intelligent. And sometimes I wonder where some of my competitors get their customers. Because being able to charge what they charge for stuff baffles me. Because, you know, we have conversations with customers all the time where that would never go over. Yeah. But if you go to a job site and the door is, let's say, 15 years old, all right, you're in... And, you're on the second spring change. So it's already broken once and been replaced, and now you're there to replace it again, and it's 15 years. I mean, for me, if the in-bearing plates haven't been replaced, I mean, that's a given. Like, I'm going to recommend it every single time. Um, Excuse me. Uh, Cables, I mean, if they're frayed at all, I'm replacing them. And, And my rule of thumb here is if cables are frayed, customer can't afford it we're doing cables for free Mm -hmm. i mean point blank because i just feel like that's a liability on us and it's unsafe for them if they got kids or whatever cable breaks door falls like i just don't need that it's not worth it i mean those cables cost me five dollars that's my hard cost Mm -hmm. i mean so i i don't care makes no difference to me Mm -hmm. um i think where the difference comes in at is when you get like extremely excessive with it so I'll tell people up front, like, if this was my door, this is what I would do. But if I was on a budget, this is what I would do. I really like how um, Tom Wadsworth stated the different stages, like good, better, best. So I plan on going back and writing all that down and then actually building training off of that Mm -hmm. because that genuinely was probably the best description. I've been trying to explain that to my team for a long time. And haven't done a very good job. Mm-hmm. And when he said it, broke it down the way he did, I felt like, yes, this yeah. is exactly what I've been looking yeah. for. Like, option one is you called us out here for yeah. this. Like, this is just to address what you called us out here for. Yeah. I think you should offer that simply because I think that's the right thing to do, even though it's not going to make you a lot of money. But if you if you say, hey, look, you called me out here for a broken spring, this is what I'm going to do. But while I did my safety inspection – Here's what I found, and you need new cables, rollers, in-bearing plates, and a gear and sprocket, uh, and this will get the door, you know, to the next level, whatever he described it as. And then, like new condition, would be this, 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 and this, or you could just replace the door for this. And I love that. I think that's good, too, because I feel like when you're offering the good, you know, saying this is what you called me out here for, I feel like that brings a level of trust instead of just saying, oh, well, here, this, this, and this is also wrong. Like well, you're you forcing saying, people to buy an upgrade. Exactly. But if you're, you got to be very honest with them and just say, look, you know, if I do this today, this stuff could very well break down on you any day. Mm-hmm. 
they need to understand the magnitude of it because here's yeah. the thing. If you don't do a good job and like I've had two scenarios happen that really stick to mind. Number one, a company came out and changed the springs and um, there was an issue where the torsion tube literally cut off from the in bearing plate and swung out Ooh. and almost damaged yeah. the door, like all kinds of stuff. And it was a nasty job for me to do at the time anyway. But the, uh, the customer was pissed off because they had just done the door and they sh- should have recommended replacing the torsion tube if it was that worn out. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, well, that's good service. Like you should point yeah, it out, should. right? It's like if you go get your oil changed and they see something else is wrong yeah. with your car. Yeah, your you, brakes are you about need, to go yeah. out. Well, if they just out. change your oil and you drive off and your brakes go out and you slam into somebody and mm-hmm. kill them, you're going to be pissed off that they didn't bring up the fact that yeah. your brakes were exactly. almost going out. And so... I think it's our obligation and our duty to look everything over, mm-hmm. give them a true analysis. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how long it's going to last, which you most likely don't, just tell them. Say, I don't know how long this yeah. is going to last. It's hard to tell. Could last, I tell people, could last one day, could last five years. Mm-hmm. That's on you, right? But here's the thing. I can come out here five times to fix all the problems or I can do it once. If you can't afford it now, I totally get it. If you can, it's a great deal because you get basically add-on pricing. Which means that if you hire us individually to come out here for each item, I got to build in enough uh, profit to cover or enough expense to cover all of our expenses yeah. of coming out here. Fuel, you know, yeah. technician, all that stuff. Where if we do it all at one time, I don't have to cover that expense. I've got it. Uh, and just the spring change that you called us out here for. So the rest of this stuff is what I call add-on service. And so we don't charge full price for add-on services uh, those are things we're already there for, and so we're going to, you know, discount them. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so how do you feel? I'm going to tie the two together. How do you feel about upselling to offer lifetime warranty? So like we're we're working something. on something internally where it's going to be something similar to that, but it's not a lifetime warranty. Um, I think we're – the way that we're looking at doing it is – if you buy this package with a new door, you get this, 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 and this, um, and you maintain your door and have us out every year to service it, you get a 10-year warranty. Okay. So we got that idea from a local HVAC company. So I, I network with people in home services that are outside of garage doors, and I like that. I mean, ideally, I'm pretty sure it says, Dasma says that you should service your door or at least do an inspection like every six months how much does a yearly door service cost how much does it cost uh, yeah the, like the customer yeah so i think that varies right okay you have some companies who do like 25 dollars, 39 dollars, 89 dollars, 69 dollars. we typically charge like a service fee okay. so it's 129 um we come out there, but we're very thorough about it. We're not going out there to just be really quick in and out. We're going to look everything over make sure that we're not seeing abnormal wear and tear, things like that, and then we, we start the work. Um, but when it comes to, like, an annual service, I mean, even at that stage, honestly, after the first year, you probably don't need it. Yeah, that's um, what I was, yeah. Second or third year, probably definitely need it. And then any year after that, I say it absolutely needs it. But if we're out there every year, 
I know that we're looking things over, we're being thorough, we're catching things before they break, so there's no need for a warranty. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, I can guarantee it. And so I'm, I'll happily say I'll give you a 10-year warranty if you have us out here every year to service and look over the door and make sure that it's in good working condition. And there are customers out there who do like that. Uh, I wouldn't say they're the majority, but there's people who are completely dedicated to taking care of their home, and they have their filters changed on time for their refrigerator and their uh, HVAC system, and you know they do uh, electrical checkups like every year, and they do their garage. And, and those are the customers that would probably do something like that. So you're saying you would offer a lifetime or a ten year warranty if they if you got to service their garage once a year. Yeah, and I would also probably upgrade a few items to the garage door to make sure that those things don't break ahead of time. High cycle springs, upgraded rollers, you know, making sure that we have decent hinges on there, uh, things like that. So would that be like would that price be included in the price of the package or would you charge a service fee every year? When you uh, so, went to look at the door. Yeah, I don't think you'd get it if you charge 10 years worth of service fees. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm kind of so what we do is, what we're going to do, what we're working on now is, like, charging for the door, having another line item that says, like, uh, performance package or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that includes, like, additional things, maybe an additional strut, uh, operator bracket, um, high cycle springs, upgraded rollers, and Tommy gave me a great idea about doing a surge protector because a lot of people get bad circuit boards from surge, uh, surge power surges coming through the garage. So you combine all that and make it one big package. There's very little that can go wrong at that point if you install the door correctly. And so I'm comfortable giving a 10-year like guarantee at that point, especially if we're in the garage every single year. I'll catch anything before it happens. And if I got to swap a spring out, we're already there. They're paying 129 I'm covered. Yeah, it's that's good. true. And I mean, I don't even mind doing it at a discount. Like, I think there's also a whole different view to look at it. You could do it to where you just cover the cost, but you get in the garage. Like, my thing is, is I want to see my customers as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm actually considering instead of doing the 129, doing something like you guys pay, you know, sixty or fifty or twenty five dollars a year if you sign up for it now. You save $100 per year for annual service. Oh, so you'd get them to pay for it like just, yearly instead of every time. I mean, you could do it a bunch of different ways. But the idea is you you really, there's a value to getting inside someone's garage and, and continuing that relationship with them. And I can tell you that because I know I've been in a bunch of garages where I've seen competitor stickers. Why didn't they call the people on the sticker? And sometimes I'll ask just to get information. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's that's what it boils down to is, you know, if I'm in your garage every year calling you saying, hey, it's time to renew your your annual maintenance, uh, air and overhead doors, you know, we're calling to schedule your annual maintenance, and don't forget it's $25 will be automatically debited out of your account. I mean, $25, people are like, sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But if you call them and tell them 129 they may balk a little bit and say, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, I think if it's 25 a year and you're doing that for 10 years, you know, that's that's in the long run. You'll be making money, but you're also right. gaining, I guess, trust with your customers, mm-hmm. which I think is important for sure. Is that That's all the questions, right? That's all yep. the questions. Did you guys have any questions about anything that was brought up on the podcast? Um, 
One thing that I liked that he said was, don't hire losers or you're a loser. Yeah. I kind of want you to expand on that. Like, what was your take on that? So when we came into the market, I knew that we were only going to be as good as the people we hire. Yeah, absolutely. And I have an employee first mentality. So I, I try to do for my employees more than I do for my customers. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy, but that's that's a goal of mine that I try to stay strong with. And I think he's right. I mean, we've hired losers. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to name them. Uh, are you a loser? <laughs> but, I mean, it, the interview process, everybody's the man, yeah. you know? And I think it's hard sometimes to distinguish. And then there's times where you go through droughts where it's hard to find somebody good and you really just kind of, you, you hire someone knowing that they're not the best, they're not up to your quality of standards, and you're like, man, this sucks, but it's all I got. I got all these calls coming in. I got to yeah. find somebody, and they're good enough. Yeah, um, and so time being. Yeah, and I mean, I hate to say it like that, but uh, I try to train those people. I try to get them up to speed, and if they don't, then, you know, we find someone else. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. You're such a dork. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I like working here, so yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the only thing that I need to do is just give a shout out real quick to some of our sponsors. We got Somer. Uh, Somer's awesome. If you guys haven't tried them yet, please do. They build amazing garage door openers. It may take you a second to get used to installing them because they're slightly different than the LiftMaster or a Genie, but one of my favorite things about them is that the uh, the rails in the box and uh, takes up a little amount of space in the warehouse and you can store more on the truck you don't have to worry about the rails the box is getting wet and the rails sticking out uh rust things like that and then their customer service is phenomenal i know i can text my rep uh, text or call roman and that dude's actually driven down from virginia on a short notice to train my whole team at 7 30 in the morning and so that was huge. Uh, another one is Surewinder. We recently bought our first Surewinder uh, not too long ago and had a training with all of our team, and everyone's been impressed, and uh, we're very happy with that product. That's an amazing tool, and essentially, if I know when I was doing a lot of spring changes, I had some shoulder issues. I would just encourage you guys, even the young guys, I, I think – uh, I've got a guy that works for me, and he would never tell you. He'll never wave the white flag, but he's been doing this for a very long time. His body's beat up, and he is sore every day. And so I actually got the Surewinder for him and uh, to test it, and then we're going to start rolling it out. But, you know, I think the, the you have to think long term. The less amount of uh, beef you can put on your body to, to all the bang up for the muscles and the the joints, I think you take care of yourself. And uh, and by doing that, you're getting a Surewinder tool to help you wind springs. And if you don't, I just think you're kind of being naive. I know they're expensive. Like, I think that's the biggest gripe. They're $600, I think, for the entry-level um, uh, Surewinder. But, I mean, you can validate it however you want. For me, I'm just thinking of it as if I'm an employee first, mentality that I need to look after my employees long-term. Yeah. So that's a cost that I'm actually accruing as a business. It'll cost you less in health insurance. It will. I mean, health insurance, I know they have some program where you can get a break. Um, 
I've checked into it. I haven't gotten uh, my uh, word back from my insurance company, but uh, I know there's something out there like that. And then, um, you know, ultimately workers comp. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. And so if you've got workers comp and you don't want to file a claim, I know I'm about to, we're about to go uh, third or fourth year without a claim and I'm about to get uh, a discount on my workers comp. And so I'm hoping that the Sherwinder just continues to help keep my guys healthy and safe. Cool. I think we should ask for their opinion on what we should call this. Yeah. Wait, do you even like them? No, I mean, I kind of like this. <laughs> I think that it's, it is what it is. I, I like the informal part, like almost mm-hmm. to the point where we don't even name it. Oh, yeah, that's fine too. We, we just, do that. it's kind of like when you're dating a girl for the first mm-hmm. time, Can't you don't want to be like, my girlfriend. Yeah. I think you just be. You just yeah. be like, hey, you want to hang out? Yeah, yeah you sure. put a label on it later. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then as the year goes by and he still has a Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Salt, dude. Y'all hear <laughs> that song. That's definitely going on the show. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> listen, everybody, thank you so much. Uh, we're probably going to just name this like round table or something to that effect. Uh, but hopefully you guys had fun just listening to us talk and chat about the episode. Uh, We'd love to hear feedback from you and uh, leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And we'll see you guys next time.